Good morning, everyone. If you're new here, my name is Silas. I'm the youth director. So I always have a great time teaching and talking and hanging out with the students here. But this morning, I get to be with, with all of you. Um, and yeah, exciting. exciting. Not as exciting, but exciting. Um, no, it is as exciting. Sorry. Yes, it is. <laughs> if you have a Bible with you, you can open to Matthew chapter 17. We're going to be in verses 24 through 27. It's also written in your bulletin. So this morning we're in Matthew, and there's actually four gospel accounts in our Bible. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And a lot of passages and stories overlap between these four gospels. Um, But there's also some accounts and passages that are unique to each gospel as well. And so this morning in Matthew, we are reading a passage that you can only find written in the gospel according to Matthew. And that's Matthew 17. And I think, I think it's important, as we read this passage this morning, it's important to remember who Matthew was writing to. All the different gospel writers had different audiences in mind, different people they were writing to. And so Matthew, he's writing to Jewish Christians. So people who, who were part of this religion that goes back generations, all the way to Abraham. It's a historic um, religion and culture and, and people. There, there's traditions and religious rituals that these Jewish Christians are familiar with. And, and probably a lot of the time, they are just so used to going through the motions of, of, this, of their religion, of, of, their, of their life. And it's important to remember that and realize that as we read this passage this morning, because Matthew is writing to, to this people who just go through these motions. And, and as we read this passage, we are going to see Matthew and I think we're really going to see Jesus challenging these, these Jewish Christians to not just go through the motions, but to stir up in them some sort of genuine faith, a sincere desire to know God, to be with him, a, a real desire. So let's read this passage, Matthew 17, verses 24 through 27. When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And when he said from others, Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. Let's pray. Jesus, we need you this morning uh, to speak to us, to be here with us. We ask that you would uh, make your presence a reality for us and that you would stir up in us a genuine faith, one that doesn't just go through the motions and do the things because we are supposed to or because we have to, but one that genuinely, genuinely desires to love you, to know you, and to be with you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Cass and I, we got married about a year and a half ago, a little over a year and a half ago. And I'm learning that as a husband and as Cass's husband, there are things that I'm obligated to do because I'm her husband. So this, this past summer in August, we went to visit her family in Spokane, Washington. And it was a great time. We got to see her family. We got to see a bunch of friends. But Cass really wanted to go jet skiing with some of her friends on a lake. And I was like, that's really good. That will be good for you and your friends to do. Because I, I do not like boats, boats that go fast, bodies of water that are deep that you can't stand in. I'm not a big fan of that at all. And Cass is like, no, Silas, you're, you're coming with us. 
And I, I was so hesitant. I was like, are you sure? All the way up until we were there, I was like, you sure you don't want to just do this with your friends? You know, have some girl time? That could be a really good time. But no, she made me go with them, and, and I was obligated to. You know, that's what, that's what a husband does, right? And so we get on to the jet ski, and I'm just holding on to Casper, dear life. As she's like hopping over, it's not, it's not even an ocean, it's a lake with like little, it's not even very rough, but it was scary. I was scared. <laughs> but I was obligated to do that because I'm Cass's husband. And, and there's other things too. On Saturdays, I love to relax, okay? I love to sit around, be lazy. And on Sunday afternoons, I love to be lazy, relax, come home from church, watch some of our favorite TV shows. So Cass and I will be sitting on the couch and we'll be watching The Office, probably one of our favorite TV shows. And all of a sudden, Cass will get up. And I'll be like, oh, she's probably going to the bathroom or something. And five minutes pass, 10 minutes pass. And I get up and I look for her. And she's cleaning the whole house. Every part of the house, she's cleaning. There's parts of the house that I see her cleaning that I'm like, that's not even dirty. And she's cleaning it. And, and I'm obligated either to get up and help her clean, or at least obligated to feel bad for sitting around, right? <laughs> But also, we'll be driving, we'll be out doing some errands, and we'll be in the area of Cold Stone. And Cass loves Cold Stone. Me, I think Cold Stone is expensive, not that great, okay, quality, it's just it's not that great. But Cass loves it, so she'll, she'll suggest, hey, Silas, should we go to Cold Stone? And inside, I want to be like, no, we should go somewhere else, get something better. But I'm obligated to pretend that it's a good idea, to be like, yes, Cass, that is a great idea. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, that in life, right, there, there are things that we are all obligated to do. Not necessarily things that we want to do, but things that we have to do, that we're obligated to do because of the position that we're in, right? If you're, if you're a student in here, you are obligated to go to school because that's what students do. Whether you want to or not, that's where you're supposed to be. That's what you have to do. You have to go to school, right? And for the adults in here, you're obligated to go to work, right, to make money and provide, even though probably a lot of the time you don't want to. Right? You'd rather just stay home and do something that you enjoy a little more. But you're obligated to go. Right? There are things that we are all obligated to do because of the positions that we're in. And I think a lot of the time we can treat our Christianity, our faith in Jesus, in God, as something that we are obligated to do. There's not a sincere desire, a genuine desire, but we just go through the motions. Right? I, I was going to ask, actually, how many of you woke up this morning and you were like, oh, it's time for church. I can't wait to go. Right? Or did you go, wake up and, yeah, thank you, Jody. That's good. I knew, I knew there was someone, you know. But a lot of us probably woke up and we said, it's early, it's Sunday. Like, what else could I be doing? But no, I'm a Christian, so I, I have to go to church. Right? And, and there's other things, right? We, we, we read our Bible. We feel like we have to read our Bibles daily and pray perfectly and pray all the time. Pray before we eat. Go to small groups. Serve those around us. Right? There, there's, there's all these things that probably don't come from a sincere desire from our heart because of our faith in Jesus, but because we say we're Christians, that's what we're supposed to do, right? And so we go through the motions, right? We sing these songs on the screen that we probably don't pay a lot of attention to a lot of the time, but we say the words. We sing these things. We pray these things that we don't actually mean or that we, we don't, don't actually really have a sincere desire or belief in, but just because we're obligated to because that's what we do as Christians, Right? But think about, think about a time in your life when you felt most on fire for Jesus or when you felt a sincere, genuine desire to know him and to be with him, when your faith felt the most real. Didn't that feel good? You know, I can think back on times of my life in college and even before. In, in sixth grade, when I went to this camp 
and I came back from winter camp, and I was just on fire. I was like, I just want to, I want to go and know Jesus more and be with him. And I think there's all times in our lives when we can think about when our faith felt most genuine and real, like we weren't just going through the motions. And doesn't that feel good? Doesn't that feel really good? Because God didn't create us to just go through the motions, to just do these things because we're obligated to. But God created us to, genuine, to have a genuine, real relationship with him. Not one that is just built out of obligation, but one that we truly believe matters and one that impacts every part of our lives. And so as we read this passage today, right, Matthew is writing to Jewish Christians, and I think he's, he's trying to spur them on to a genuine faith. But I think that we can read this passage as well as people who are probably like these, these Jewish Christians in a lot of ways, just going through the motions, part of this religion where we just go through these motions, do these things because we're obligated to do them because they're familiar to us. And Matthew is speaking, Jesus is speaking to us this morning as well. He's encouraging us and empowering us to a more genuine sincere, real faith. And so we're going to look at two ways that Jesus shows us in this passage of how we might increase in genuine faith. The, uh, I think the title of the sermon is a more, a more real faith or a more genuine faith. Um, and I don't think when we leave today, it's just going to be like, oh, we have that genuine faith right away. But I think Jesus is going to increase in us day after day a more genuine faith. And I think he, he can show us this morning how, how he desires to do that. So the first thing that we can see Jesus showing us is that belonging to God's family and experiencing his love and his grace can change us from just going through the motions to a real desire to know him, to be with him. All right, so we open up this passage, right, with these Jewish people, and they're collecting this tax, this thing called the temple tax. This wasn't a a government tax, but this was a religious tax to all Jewish men over the age of 20. And this goes back all the way to Exodus 30. So this was a familiar tax for these Jewish people. It was something that goes back all the way to the Old Testament for a long generations, a long, long time. So this was something that was familiar to the Jewish people. Okay? And, and this was one of the Jews' religious obligations to pay this tax. Every man over 20, right? To take up every, every they paid this once a year. It wasn't a very taxing tax. It, it didn't, it was like two days wage that you had to pay once a year. So it wasn't a very like hard tax, difficult tax to, to pay. But these men who are collecting this tax, they come up to Peter and they say to him, um, in verse 20, 25, they, they say to Peter, oh no, this is 20, 24. When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the tax? And Peter says, yes, Jesus, he, he pays the tax. Jesus pays the tax, right? And, and I think then, when Peter comes back to the house, Peter comes back to the place where the disciples and Jesus are staying, and Jesus then asks him this question in the end of verse 25. What do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And Peter says, from others. And then Jesus responds to Peter saying, the sons are free. You know, I think Jesus is essentially saying that those who belong to God's family are not obligated to pay this tax, to do this religious obligation that goes back generations. Right? And Jesus is switching up and saying, no, this isn't the obligation for those who belong to God's family. It's like this metaphorical question that Jesus is asking to Peter. Those who belong to God's family, Jesus is saying, are not obligated to pay this tax, this tax that had been around for a long time. And I think even more than that, Jesus is saying that, that our religion, our faith, is more 
than just paying taxes. And even more than that, more than just all the religious things that we do, that we, that we feel obligated to do, the religious rituals. It's more than that, but what real genuine faith is about, it's about who we belong to. It's about who we belong to. Right? Who, who, who's obligated to pay this tax? Not those who belong to the king's family. Not those who belong to God's family. You know, Jesus is saying that our faith isn't about paying taxes, right? But he's hitting on the idea that genuine faith is about who we belong to. If we are God's children, then we are free. But I think this, this still raises the question, how, does genuine, how is genuine faith built off of belonging to God's family? How is that? In high school, um, when I was 17, I just got my license, and it was a week after I got my license, actually. Almost exactly a week after. And I wanted to go visit my friend who lived 35, 40 minutes away. And so I needed my GPS to get there. Because I didn't, yeah. Some of, Luke knows the story. He's smiling already at my, my sadness. And it's a, it's a week after. I go to visit my, my friend. And I need my GPS. And we didn't have, like, the cool thing yet that, like, goes up on the windshield, you know. So I had to, like, put my GPS here. And I was just going to rely on listening to it to tell me where to go. But as I'm five minutes out from home. And I'm going around this, just this little turn. It's not a very sharp turn, just turn and left. And all of a sudden, my GPS says, take a left at 100 feet. And I'm looking, and I'm like, 100 feet? That doesn't look like there's a left. So I look at my GPS to see where it's telling me to take the left. And as I'm looking down, this turn gets a little bit sharper. And I don't realize that. So my front right tire hops the curb, and it explodes. And my hubcap like flies into the field on the right side. And of course, right where I have the curb, there had to be a telephone pole right there as well. And so I run into this te telephone pole and like my bumper and the tire and the hood and the fender, it's all just broken. And to make it even worse, it was my dad's like brand new car that he just got three months ago. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there in my car and I'm, I'm distraught. I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? But I call my dad and my dad comes and we call the police just to see, because I guess I hit public property, you know, so it's good to call the police then. And I'm sitting there, and the policeman, he gives me like a ticket for like hurting public property, and it just adds, <laughs> adds insult to injury, you know? I'm already embarrassed, and, I'm, and I know this is going to cost so much money, and I go home, and I remember going up to my room, and I got like all the cash I had, and I came downstairs to try to pay my dad for the deductible at least, for what, the, what it would cost to fix the car. And I remember my dad being like, no, Silas, don't, don't worry about that. And it was like a significant amount of money, especially to a high school kid. And, and he was like, don't worry about it, Silas. Just worry about the ticket. And the ticket was like insignificant compared to what it would cost to, to pay for, to fix this whole thing. And, and I share that story because I think it points to a bigger picture of what it was like to belong to my family growing up for me. It, like that one instance wasn't just what changed me forever, but I think it was instances like that, of belonging to my family that was based in grace. Like my dad and my mom, time after time, showing me grace. Building a foundation in our family that was based in grace. That, that is what began to change me. I remember when I was younger, my mom would make up chore charts, and I would grumble, and I'd hate doing the chores. I'd do them because I had to, not because I actually wanted to. But then getting older, as I'm changed by this family that is just built based in grace, and as I belong to this family that is loving and caring, I'm changed. And I remember being in high school, and I would volunteer to do the dishes. 
because I wanted to serve my parents, because I wanted to serve my family, because I loved them, because I really wanted to. You know, and I remember spending night after night just watching shows with them, playing games with them, not because I felt like I had to, but because I wanted to, because of the family that I belonged to. Because the family that I belonged to changed me and is changing me. And I think that the same is true for what it's like to belong to God's family. Right? When we experience the grace of God, when we experience his love, his acceptance, his goodness, we begin to go from a faith that just goes through the motions, that, does, that just does things because we have to, to one where we actually genuinely desire to know him, to be with him, to love him. You know, t- time where we genuinely desire to spend time with God because we belong to him who is gracious and loving. But you know, this doesn't happen all at once, like I was saying before. But little by little, as we experience the grace of God, as, as we come to him in honesty and humility and in our weakness, and then we're met with grace time after time, that, that, that is what continually transforms us and transforms, transforms our faith from one that just goes through the motions to one that is real. And so let's meditate on this truth, that we belong to a family, that we belong to a father who is good and gracious, who loves us, who meets us with grace every single time. And that will begin to change our faith from one that just goes through the motions to one that is genuine and real. And so we see that our faith is transformed into becoming more genuine, more real when we experience the grace of God and belonging to his family. But Jesus, in this passage, we see that Jesus also empowers us to a more genuine faith by telling us to lay our lives down for the sake of those around us. In verse 26, at the end of verse 26, Jesus says, then the sons are free. Those who belong to God's family are not obligated to pay this tax. But then right after, in verse 27, Jesus says, however, but not to give offense to them, Go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. You know, Jesus says, Peter, we're not obligated to pay this tax, but out of care for those around us so that we don't put a stumbling block in front of them, so we don't offend them, let's go out of our way and, and pay this tax. You know, Jesus could have said, Peter, go back to those temple tax collectors and tell them off. Say, no, we're not paying this tax. We don't have to. We're God's children. Right? But instead, Jesus says, no, Peter. Actually, let's, let's go out of our way to pay this tax that we don't have to. Right? And, and what Jesus says is, go and cast a fishing line into the sea, and the first fish that comes up will have a shekel in its mouth. But a lot of commentators, what they think that Jesus is saying, they don't think Jesus is actually doing a miracle here by creating some fish that is going to have a, a shekel in its mouth. But a lot of commentators think that Jesus is saying, Peter, you're a fisherman. Go do your job. Make some money and let's pay the, and so that we can pay this tax. Like, go out of your way. Go do your job to make money, to pay something that you don't have to pay in order to love those around you. Jesus is telling Peter to lay his life down, to put himself aside in order to love and care those around him. Right? And I, I, think, I think that Jesus shows us that this is another way of how genuine faith is built up by laying our lives, our wants, our desires down for the sake of those around us. And I think that we can actually see this in very real ways in our lives. Probably all of us have had an experience like this. If, if you've been on a mission trip before, 
Um, maybe you've been on a mission trip and you didn't want to go beforehand, and you're like, I'm just going because my parents are making me, or because it feels like the good Christian thing to do. And then you go on the mission trip, and you're serving, and you're putting others before yourself, and then you come back from that mission trip, and you really feel like changed. You feel a genuine desire. Even just as you come back the day after, you're like, I actually just want to love the people around me. I want to go back to this mission trip. I want to go back in other places. Where else can I serve? Where else, how else can I love those around me? And it's not out of an obligation, but it's like a genuine desire that was built up over this week as you served and as you laid your life down for those around you. I'm sure like a lot of us, a lot of you have had that experience probably. And also, I mean, for any, for any parents in here, I know that you love your children, but I'm sure that that love is built up just as you sacrifice yourself for your children, as you lay your life down, as, as you put aside your dreams or your ambitions and your desires for your children. I bet that a love, a genuine love, is built up. Right? Most of the time, you don't care for your children out of obligation, but because of a genuine love that has been built up. Built up. And I think that's what, that's what Jesus is kind of showing us here, that genuine desire is built up with sacrifice, with laying ourselves down, putting ourselves aside for the sake of others. A sincere faith in Jesus, a real trust is built up when we lay ourselves down and we put ourselves aside for others. Because then we are not trusting in ourselves to do what we can, but, but we have nothing and we're trusting only. We're in reliance, complete reliance on the Holy Spirit, on the Spirit of God to work in us and through us. And, and that's how genuine faith can be built up, is when we put ourselves aside and we rely on the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us for the sake of others. And I think the, the biggest way that we see this is in the life of Jesus. Right? Jesus, who had all power. He was perfect. He was God himself. Right? He, had, he had the freedom and the power to destroy all of those who were against him. He didn't, he didn't have to let himself die or be crucified. But instead... He lays his life down for the sake of others. That's what Jesus does, right? That they might have life. And in doing this, he actually gives you life. He gives me life. He gives us belonging to a good and gracious family. He brings us into a family with a gracious father, a family based in grace and love. And he doesn't say to us, Jesus doesn't say to us, now that you're part of this family, in order to keep your place here, you need to go and follow all these rituals, all these obligations. You need to come to church 52 weeks a year. You need to pray perfectly. You need to know all the right answers. You need to be perfect. Jesus doesn't say that. But what Jesus says instead is take up your cross and follow me. Put yourself aside. Lay your life down and follow me. And we are empowered to do this when we remember who we belong to when we remember what kind of family we belong to, God's gracious, good family. And we're empowered to do this when we lay our lives down for those around us by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Let's pray.